Welcome back to the Knit British Podcast, the podcast that explores all the connections of Britishness in wool, fibre and knitting. On this journey, meeting all of the people involved from sheep to skein, I am your host, Louise Scully. Knit British, love local wool. This episode is sponsored by our final mucker for 2017, Leslie Durans. Leslie is Tweed LD on Ravelry and she lives in South Africa. And while her early knitting experiences put her off garter stitch, <gasps> heavens forfend! In the last few years, her spirit for knitting has been renewed thanks to Ravelry and things like taking a class with Marie Wallen. Leslie answers our Willy Mucker questionnaire later in the show, so stay tuned for that. And thank you so much, Leslie, for supporting Knit British. Hello and how are you? It's lovely to fit in one more podcast before the end of 2017. I will apologise in advance because it's quite windy today here in Edinburgh and my windows are making a wonderful accordion sound or a sort of like a bagpipe kind of a noise. So I apologise in advance for the accompaniment <laughs> that we might have in the show today. Yes, I am very glad to be here with episode... 99. Isn't that exciting? Episode 99 is almost as exciting as episode 100, which is almost upon us. But I think we need to do something special for episode 99. And what could be more special than celebrating the year of the knit British woolly mucker? In this last year, our show has been supported mainly by our listener sponsors, the Woolly Muckers. Muckers, by the way, means friend or pal or comrade. In It's a British slang term. And it's only been this week that I learned that even people in the UK didn't know what a mucker was. So uh, um, I'm sorry if you've been listening to this and going, what the heck is she going on about muckers? Hopefully you Googled it or something like that. Um, but anyway... In this last year, we've had the Woolly Muckers listener sponsors. And this was the first time I tried sponsoring the show this way. You know me, I don't like to do things like Patreon. And I don't like to have sponsors that dilute the content or divert away from what we're doing here at Knit British. So it was a sort of a suggestion from um, one of our listeners, uh, Megan the Third, or Mrs. Mrs. M's Curiosity Cabinet. Um, and it kind of grew a little bit from there. And I was blown away by the response. We only had 10 spots and they were absolutely snapped up within a few minutes that uh, made me cry. And the lovely fella had to go out and buy emergency celebration cake when that happened and it's been incredible to bring you the muckers each month because that was a huge thing for me that if you want to support the show I want to make you part of the show this was a lovely way to do that to bring a mucker on every every month whether via Skype interview or an actual interview or a written interview and ask you two part questions for our woolly mucker questionnaire 
the first part is what was the first thing you can remember knitting and the last thing you cast off. And the second question is if there is a yarn and a pattern, not necessarily to be used together, but for which you want to shout to the world about, what are they? And those two basic questions had such a wonderful response and we had such great conversations. Not just about our muckers knitting past and their present but also about why yarn and patterns are so important and why you want to either cast off to desert island with them or you know shout about them for other people to find out about and yeah I, I was constantly blown away by your stories and I wanted to sort of revisit that today and maybe I will edit in some of the voices from the last year uh, and share with you some of these stories again. You know, the first part of that first question is what was the first thing you can remember knitting? Uh, what's, what's striking about so many of our muckers is that they're standout memories of knits which they can remember making and finishing are quite incredible pieces due to the skill or the size of the project. Our first mucker in March was Christine Perry, a.k.a. Winnick Mum, and the first knit she can really remember wanting to knit was an incredible entrelac jumper, which she knit in the 80s. It was a design by Christian de Falba, and she still has a sweater and she sent us a picture of it and it is an amazing sweater and it still looks cracking. I don't remember ever knitting toys or, well, or, or knitting clothes for toys or, or anything like that. And, but my, my big memory was when I was about 18, I saw the most fabulous jumper in, in, in a yarn shop and it was 1980s. So it was a fabulous jumper it was black and white and rainbow entrelac squares and it was just oh I looked wow. at it absolutely in love with this jumper and it was designed by somebody called Christian de Falba who sounded very exotic and not at all like the patterns that you'd normally see in a yarn shop where there's a family usually by a fishing boat all wearing the same sort of jumper in, in varying sizes and with slightly different different patterns on them so th this looked really exotic and I went home and said to my mum I need this jumper I need this jumper I'm gonna die so she <laughs> She said, knit it for me. And she said, no, get your needles out and do it yourself. So so I had to think about whether I was prepared to sacrifice myself for this jumper and decided that, no, I was going to knit it myself if nobody else was, was going to do it. And, and that's, that's what I did. And there was there was no internet. There was no, I had no books on it or anything. So the pattern must have been very well written because my first big project was a large entrelac jumper. And and then from, from there, having having done it, because... So, so you just need the incentive. You need something that you really, really want to knit. And for me, this was that jumper. And at that point, once I'd done it, I looked around and I said, right, what else can I do? Alison Main was our next mucker. And her first object, only having been a re relatively recent convert to knitting, was a knit night shawl by Louise Zaz Bangham that was beaded. Beaded knits as your first project. I mean, that's incredible. Absolutely amazing. Um, Emma Goodlid, um, she started, uh, as many of us do, knitting squares, but she wasn't really content to have them just pile up and not become anything. And, and she made hers into building blocks for a baby in the family, which she does confess they only really got sewn up relatively recently. But 
another relative newcomer to knitting, she bounded on to fine lace haps. In June, Maylin Scott was our mucker, Blythe Spirit. And her first project, the one that she can really remember getting excited about um, and getting excited about knitting, was the Colour Affection Shawl by Vera Valamaki, which she knit in a hemp yarn. I talked to Maylin at the... Leeds Wool Festival back in June. Another Entrelac entry, Susan Hobkirk, she can remember making what, what people called her licorice all sorts jumper, and she couldn't quite but she couldn't quite remember who designed it. And so on Knit British we put out the call to say, you know, does anyone recognise this jumper by its description? And she also had a photocopy from the book that the, the pattern came out of. And Thanks to our listener, Sue James, another Sue. She told us it's the kimono pattern by Susan Duckworth. Such great work. Can always rely on the Knit British community for answering questions like that. Thank you, guys. In episode 90, Mazzy was our mucker. And if you're a member of the Knit British Ravelry group, you will know that Mazzy is our moderator. And she is also organising a a party in Bath uh, on the 13th of January for the Knit British Drink, Eat, Chat, Knit. The first pattern that she can remember wanting to make was a seamed intarsia sock and she still has the socks too. It's it's an intarsia sock pattern, so it's wow. a sort of clock pattern and it's the only pair of socks I've got with a seam up the back and having said how much I hate sewing <laughs> things up, it, it's not an experiment I've ever repeated again. If I've done colour work, I've always done colour work in the round since then. And you obviously get a warmer sock that way. Um, but at some point, I think when I was a teenager, I must have asked my mum and said, oh, you know, when, when she said, well, what do you want for your birthday? I said, oh, I'd like to knit myself some socks. So I got some sock wool and a couple of patterns. And one was just a, trist, a trusty sort of rib pattern. And the other one was this um, sort of clock pattern. And I still have the socks and they're looking at the worst for wear. They could do with a good heel darn at the moment. (laughs) But they are over 30 years old. They must be. Do you remember what you made? Whatever came from the the local haberdashery shop (laughs) in the village where I lived, (laughs) which was almost certainly a commercial, you know, sock yarn with some nylon in, uh, which is why they've lasted so long. And you still wear them, you said? I still occasionally wear them for gardening, yeah, and, and that was the sort of template. I've, I had lots of rib socks. Unfortunately, I started to throw some of them away before I learnt how to darn, which was a bit nonsensical. Because um, I've got one sock, which uh, which was made with leftovers from the uh, the, the original pair. Oh, wow. But I, I seem to have thrown away one of them. I'm not, what was I thinking? <laughs> I threw away one sock. <laughs> Barb was our mucker in episode 93 and Barb is in Calgary in Canada and she can remember that she was knitting free form dolls clothing when she first learned to knit in the mid 70s and it was lovely to learn that Barb's craft education was really started um, in northern Ontario when she used to have childhood holidays and that was where her love of craft was was first honed and she learned to sew on treadle sewing machine there. Carolyn Sue Jenkins from California uh, was our mucker next and she told us about the incredible wool suit that she and her sister made for their mum uh, when they were young but 
With two different knitters and two different gauges and styles, they soon found out that their knitted fabric was quite different between the jacket and the pants. But onwards and upwards, you know, there's always something to learn about knitting, isn't it? Even if it's about our own uh, skills and techniques and our own practice. I think that's an incredible first project. A pantsuit for your mum, I think that's incredible. I would have been chuffed to bits with that, never mind that the fabric looked different in the pants and the jacket. Anthea Willis uh, was our mucker last month and she regaled us with waistcoat tails. The first thing that she made was a basic waistcoat. But then the first thing that she really wanted to make for herself in proper wool was Kay Fassett's design, which her father helped her with. And there's an image uh, at knitbritish.net slash ep hyphen 99 that you can see. It's incredible. My dad was really into like Kay Fassett stuff. So we had a lot of these books around the place and he was always knitting up these wonderful things with a million colours in them. And I was about, I was about 12 or 13 and I really wanted to, to have a go. And um, I started the, um, the Poppies waistcoat that Kay Fassett designed. And it's, you basically took two groups of colours and you had your background colour and your Poppies colours and you made these huge magic balls with them loads and loads of length and I was allowed to go through my my mum and dad's wall stash and and pick out all the colours and put them together and then you just knit with these two balls. The result was just the most amazing stripe multicoloured waistcoat. The next part of the question was which one pattern and yarn not necessarily used together would you like other people to know about and this was a great question as well and it was one which few could 100% pin down to one yarn many interpreted the question as their uh, desert island pattern and yarn whilst others wanted to share them with the uninitiated uh, and let let them feel like an inheritance pattern and yarn almost at Christine's foray into no nylon sock experiments on her blog at Winnick Mum led her to Northern Yarns Pole Dorset Lamb's Wool, and she is also a huge fan of West Yorkshire Spinner's signature sock as well, which I know is a popular one with knit Britishers. Uh, Christine's pattern is her own basic sock pattern, which from personal experience, I can tell you, you cannot go wrong with. It's a great sock pattern. And there's one for four ply. There's one for double knit. There's one for, I think, even Aaron as well. So that's a great one. Alison loved Juju Vale's Afterthought uh, heel sock pattern. And her choice of yarn is the doll base from Rusty Ferret. Because it's so beautiful to touch Malin's choice is one that is very close to our heart and that she feels a connection to through our family and history and place. Um, so we're sitting right now, you know, on the edge of the Leeds-Liverpool Canal. But if you go down just about, oh, I don't know, about 10 miles down the Leeds-Liverpool Canal, you will get to a little place called Shipley, Saltaire, where my grandparents used to live. 
and you can't tell from my accent at all, but I am a Yorkshire lass. I was born in Yorkshire. <laughs> I left when I was nine months old for Canada, so hence I have a Canadian accent and not a Yorkshire one. But this place is really, really special to me, and Saltair in particular, many people will know it. It's a World Heritage Site. Um, there's uh, Salts Mills, um, which is, again, another huge woolen mill. Um, so tight as salt. Yes, you're going to guess what yarn I'm going to pick. <laughs> and I remember visiting my grandparents when I was a young kid, and I actually spent about six months in uh, Shipley Saltair. Um, but I remember when that mill was empty. It was just, it was boarded up. It was broken windows. It was just this beautiful building just sitting abandoned, you know, for I don't know how many years. I think it closed down the early part of the 20th century. And always walked by it because it's a gorgeous park near it. And always thinking, oh, you know, this, what, a, what a shame. And I remember coming to visit my grandfather, again, probably in my 20s, and he said, you've got to go down to the mill now because it's been completely restored and it has the most beautiful bookshop in the world. Oh, and I know you're, you're a bookshop aficionado yes. as well. Because if you can picture this enormous mill, you know, big yeah. open spaces, huge windows, and that entire space is taken up by this bookshop. Then you've got David Hockney's workshop, Art Gallery. He, he often exhibits a lot of his new stuff there because it was his friend, uh, this millionaire who sadly died since, who actually picked up the money to restore the whole thing got a wonderful cafe in there other little shops and bits and pieces it's dying for a wool shop and then of course there's bits with the history of, of, of the woolen mill and oh, so forth wonderful. yeah so so Titus built his empire by introducing some alpaca into wool that was his big mm -hmm. thing got the alpaca it was shipped from Liverpool came up the Liverpool Leeds Canal so all of these strands I think of my life are kind of connected into this thing so of course my desert island yarn is Titus <laughs> four ply from Baramu Love it because it's a gorgeous yarn to work with. It has 30% alpaca in it. Um, what else does it have? Wensley Dale and does some BFL. Mm -hmm. So it's a beautiful soft yarn. And I love the fact that they've named all the colors and really thought about the Yorkshire colors. Well, I've been here almost five years now, and they're celebrating their fifth anniversary. So I remember that yarn came out. But, um, yeah, and I, so I, I love I love everything behind it. I love the fact that it was just a local independent shop that kind of started this whole thing, and now it's sold around the world. You can get it, you know, in Toronto. And yeah. I feel proud every time I see Titus Four Ply <laughs> had nothing to do with it. I feel proud every time I see it in some place yeah. outside of Yorkshire and I think they've just done wonderful things with it. Susan Hobkirk loves Gudrun Johnson's Isla cardigan pattern and she was the biggest rule breaker of them all and had three yarn choices. Plant dyed wools by Elizabeth Beverly which she bought at Unravel cashmere plant dyed from her she also chose stein fine wool from the little gray sheep which is quite local to susan and the third uh, as another local flock to susan down in the south of england and that's the hollyhock flock gotland uh, the patterns that emma goodled wanted everyone to know about are two incredible lace haps the Brora Cobweb Shawl by Gladys Amedro and the String of O Hap Shawl by Violet McQuaid. The former is available from Jameson and Smith and the latter from Jameson's of Shetland. The yarns that Emma plumped for were Jameson's Ultra and the yarns from Uridale. Mazzy went all out with the deserted island idea and she decided that she would need two yarns just in case it was a cold or it was a hot desert island. Uh, so it's quite sensible, really, if you think about it. Um, so she chose Jimison's of Shetland Spindrift and also Blacker Leoness. And 
to utilise all of the colours in these two yarns, she plumped for the Crazy Stripes Tea by Alpha Knits, which is an incredible pattern. Barb chose a local wool to her, which is custom woolen mills in Alberta, Canada. And her pattern choice is actually a collection and it's the semi-precious collection by Maria Nasland. And these are beautiful shawls. Um, you should really have a little look at it on Ravelry. I've never heard of Maria Nasland before, but my goodness me, what a talented designer. Uh, Sue Jenkins' favourite pattern is Allermere by Claire Devine and she highly recommends Ginger ha Ginger's Hand Dyed to try with that pattern. Uh, and Anthea, another one who plumped for Jimison's Spindrift, but also Britsock from The Knitting Goddess. Both of these yarns are so great for so many items and actually we did giggle at the idea of hammocks made <laughs> and darn Anthea's Desert Island from these yarns. And and for the pattern, Anthea uh, chose the Simple Collection from Tin Can Knits, which, you know, I'm a big fan of Tin Can Knits as well. And it's an incredible free resource uh, for an entire wardrobe of knitting. It's geared towards the new knitter, but it, there is so much for more experienced knitters to love too. It has been an utter joy really has been wonderful to bring you these woolly muckers and it's been wonderful that they've wanted to support the show and it's been incredible um, how well received it's been by you guys and it's just been you know it's quite emotional for me it's just been a lovely lovely thing but it's not quite over yet because we have our last mucker to meet and that is Leslie Durrens. Leslie is Tweed LD on Ravelry and I am proud and also a bit sad to say that she is our last mucker of the year. Uh, Leslie lives in South Africa and how thrilling is it that we have had muckers from uh, all over the world. It's been lovely. She didn't get her woolly mucker bundle till much later than our other muckers because this post to South Africa is so bad that she had to have a postal surrogate in the UK so she didn't get it until she was next in the UK. Like all of our muckers, Leslie was asked to answer the same two-part questionnaire. But firstly, I wanted to ask her how she got started with knitting. And she says, my first knitting lessons were at school, probably primary three, maybe aged about eight years old. And that was a garter stitch teddy that seemed so difficult at the time. Um, I then didn't really knit again until I was at university and then maybe I only knit two jerseys. One is still a whip and a cardigan all oversized because I'd never heard of a swatch. In the last three years I've picked it up again and with only knit pearl cast on and cast off to my name I made the effort to travel to a Marie Wallen workshop and have been infected with the knitting bug ever since. I'm learning so much through Ravelry and with A Year of Techniques, which of course is the wonderful um, book and tutorial series from Arnold Culliford Knitwear. She goes on to say, my nana taught me how to crochet. I'm not sure when that started, but probably was also around eight years old. And I've always felt more comfortable with crochet for this reason. And the fact that there aren't any stitches to drop. <laughs> So I'm always happy to pick up the crochet hook. The first project, of course, would have been granny squares. 
what else? The most wonderful thing about crochet is granny squares, isn't it? Um, she says, I'm currently working on a picnic blanket by Marie Wallen. That'll be a long time getting finished because I keep getting distracted by other things and the blanket is a bit too big for easy travel work. Yeah, I have my uh, British Breeds granny square blanket that is just now so unwieldy I can barely get it manoeuvred over my own lap when I'm doing it. But it's wonderful. Crochet is an incredible thing. Like so many of our muckers, Ravelry and the community have played a huge part in Leslie's crafting journey, but a, rel a crafty relative is often at the heart of our early experiences, aren't, aren't they? I mean, you know, not all of us are lucky to have had a knitting nana or, you know, mum to teach us, but there's a lot of our muckers have had that experience of having the skill passed on from another member of the family and that's a really special connection isn't it so on to the woolly mucker questionnaire i asked leslie what was the first thing you can remember knitting and the last thing you cast off and she says the first thing i remember knitting was that teddy bear in garter stitch i was terrible and i think it's given me a dislike of garter stitch ever since the first garment I enjoyed knitting was a cardigan in moss stitch while I was at university. It was a huge grey thing that never stayed on my shoulders. I'm sure it was acrylic. It could certainly handle the washing machine. Uh, it had the most wonderful handmade sheep buttons, which I rescued before the cardigan went to the charity shop. The last thing I cast off was my first Isabel Kramer design, Malin, for the Take Your Pick Cal. It was knit in Rowan Summer Tweed and I wanted to use a silk cotton mix and it turned out wonderfully and it really did. Um, I put a picture on the Knit British show notes. It looks incredible in, in that yarn. It looks um, sort of softly rustic to the touch and the cable down the front is just beautiful. When I asked which one pattern and yarn, not necessarily used together, would you like people to know about? Leslie answered, the pattern I take to a desert island would be Marie Wallen's Orkney. It not only reminds me of home, but it's also what has bitten me with my current knitting bug. Needless to say, I haven't knitted it yet, but I think I will soon. I've had the yarn for some time. <gasps> it could be a good intention, Leslie. You could you could cast it on for the good intentions quarter, second quarter that starts in on the first of January. Um, but she says, in keeping with the colour work, I've just uh, in the last week been introduced to Jameson's Spindrift. Jameson's Spindrift has been a popular one with the muckers. And she says, if I was shipwrecked on a desert island, being able to experiment with colours would keep me going until my dying days. I just adore, adore all of those heathery tones. She says it's so difficult to choose just one yarn until... This week, any of the blacker yarns, possibly Tamar or Cornish Tin 2, would have been competing against the Merino Silk 4-ply from Old Maiden Anth. Depth of colour is definitely important to me, and let's face it, there are so many wonderful yarns available. I could be happy with just about any British yarn. Quite right too, Leslie. I agree with you there. Oh, lovely, Leslie. Thank you so, 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 so much for being my woolly mucker and supporting the podcast in 2017. And again, 
Thank you to all of our muckers. I know how much you've enjoyed um, hearing about them and listening to their stories. And they're a big reason why we, why we had the show in 2017. So a huge round of applause, everybody, for Christine, Alison, Susan, Emma, Malin, Barb, Carolyn, Sue, Mazzy, Anthea and Leslie. Some of you have asked if there will be muckers in 2018. Sadly, the listener mucker um, sponsored opportunities will be retired for 2018, possibly just for 2018. As you know, the schedule is changing due to my new work circumstances and some things have had to change as well. Um, before I could arrange interviews and work on content most days, but working full time has really put the kibosh on that. And the fact that the Woolly Muckers have been so well received and that has been enjoyed so much, it makes me feel a bit guilty to say that there won't be any more for the next year but I do need to think about managing my interests um that said there are many aspects of the muckers that we are going to keep those reviews that you all loved so much this year where we had the woolly muckers reviewing yarns sometimes mystery reviews we are definitely keeping that would you like the chance to review rule for 2018 for knit british well you can add your name to the list in the knit british ravelry group go over there there's a sticky thread um, there are certain rules, such as knitting and delivering your reviews by the deadlines you will be given, which are usually quite generous anyway. Um, but I would love to open up the reviews for you all in 2018. Uh, also, our questionnaire. I mean, as as we've heard today, it's been so wonderful to hear about your crafting life and the patterns and yarn that you love so much. So I think I need to ask more of you those questions in 2018 and perhaps we will start at Edinburgh Yarn Festival. Of course, what is lost is the support element. Any sponsorship for Knit British goes into hosting and things like buying prizes, posting prizes and going to events to report back on for the podcast. There, there's no big business here. And, I, you know, I've no interest in making Knit British a big business. I, I can't just now, you know, who knows what the future might hold. But so... You know, there's there's not a lot of money that needs to be made. Um, but if you do want to support what I do, then there is something. And only if you're so inclined. Um, it's not something that I'm going to bash on about a heck of a lot. Um, if you do want to support the podcast and support Knit British, there is something that I have signed up to called coffee.com. I've always said that I didn't want a PayPal button as it's a bit generic and i didn't feel that I could sufficiently give thanks back for donations. But this is essentially a PayPal method, but it's called 
coffee.com. It's ko-fi.com. It was set up as a way to, quote marks, buy a coffee, which is a friendly metaphor for supporting your favourite creative people. Um, I have a page. It's www.ko-fi.com forward slash knit British. There's also a a link in the show notes and and a picture on um, my homepage with a cup of coffee. Um, if you're so inclined, you can buy me a coffee. It's a donation of three pounds. It can be you can post privately or publicly. Um, there's a little sort of a profile page there, so <clears throat> I can reply with a message of thanks, um, both privately and publicly. Uh, essentially, it's a tip jar which I know I was quite vocal about not wanting before, but it's bundled up so beautifully and it's a bit more user-friendly than a tip jar. And I still don't like things like Patreon. I do most of my podcast prep in a coffee shop. I think I've spoken about this before, that, you know, I usually leave work er- leave the house early so I have about an hour before my day job sitting in a coffee shop doing some prep uh, and writing the podcast and planning the podcast. So... A donation on coffee would actually fuel that uh, and enable the podcast to be made and anything else would go directly into the run of the podcast um, just towards it. So again, uh, you know, it's not something I'm going to bash on about every episode. There's links on the front page of my website at nitbridge.net. There'll be a link in the sidebar of the posts page. It's nothing that, you know, you need to feel that you have to do. It's just only if you're so inclined and... You know, it's quite nice. It's a friendly thing, isn't it? To say, you know, you feel like you're buying someone a coffee. Uh, I'm, I've certainly bought quite a few coffees um, uh, through it. I think it's quite, it's quite a nice. As I say, it's just bundled up very nicely and friendly. That is it for episode ninety-nine. On the twelfth of January, it's going to be episode one hundred. Um, I'm so excited about this Um, it's going to be the first monthly podcast it's going to be the 100th episode it's going to come out right before the 100th episode party in Edinburgh and also if you are a member of the Knit British Ravelry group you will have seen that there's a get together happening in Bath I think there's one happening in York there's one happening in London there's one happening in Wales you can just get together with a friend and use the hashtag KB100DEC also it's the cast on day for the Blacker Podcal which I should say the chat thread is open now in the Blacker Yarns Ravelry group if you want to take part in that Um, it's all a bit wonderful don't forget that this 1st of January as well as being New Year's Day is also the beginning of quarter two for the Good Intentions Club and there's a blog post about that at knitbridges.net and the quarter two chat thread is now open and up and running uh, in the Knit British Ravelry group what more can I say that's enough to keep you going until next time isn't it Let me just say once more a huge thank you to all of our muckers this year. Thank you so much for supporting the show. Thank you to everyone for listening. And thank you for being part of this Knit British community. I shan't talk about should old acquaintance be forgot and things like that and all all New Year-y kind of things. I feel the same way about New Year as I do about Christmas. But whatever you do, be safe. I hope it's peaceful for those of you who need peace I hope it's raucous for those of you who want it to be raucous I 
mainly just can't wait to see you all in 2018 and see what 2018 holds for Knit British. Thank you for coming on this journey with me from sheep to skein and meeting all the people in between who are involved and let's have more of the same in 2018. Until next time, take good care and lots of love. Bye for now. Thanks for listening to the Knit British podcast. To find out more, visit www.knitbritish.net. You can email me louise at knitbritish.net. I'm on Twitter and Instagram as at knit underscore British. And I'm on Ravelry as Lira. Take care of that throat. You're a big